It will be on the screen, but I hope that you'll turn in your Bible to Jonah. Jonah, the runaway prophet. I hope that you took me serious this past Sunday, that you started reading the book of Jonah. Four chapters, 48 verses in all. But what a marvelous story and lesson that we find in Jonah about God giving people a second chance. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, all of us have been given second chances by you in many ways. Lord, only you know how many times you had to reach out to us in love before we turned to your son and accepted him as our personal Savior. And we just thank you, Father, that you don't give up on us and that you bring us to that point in time when we recognize that we're lost in sin and we desire to repent of sin and turn to you and be born into the kingdom of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you gave us many chances until we turned to your Son and received him. And, Father, I thank you that as your children who so often become wayward and indifferent and apathetic, that, Lord, you keep giving us second chances to serve you. Lord, I thank you for the example of Jonah, that being a man who absolutely refused to do what God wanted him to do, I thank you that you didn't give up on him. Lord, perhaps there are many of us here this morning that need a second chance. Maybe someone is here that wants to be saved, but yet they do not want to make that commitment and decision to turn to your son. And they're struggling with believing that Jesus died on the cross for them. Lord, please reveal to them what your son has done for them. And may they come to faith. And, Father, pray for us as Christians. Lord, we, we perhaps underestimate the impact that we can have or are having, Lord, in the lives of others. Lord, help us that we will be found faithful. And, Lord, convict our hearts if we've gotten on the wrong path like Jonah did. Convict us, Father, that we need to turn back to you and call out to you and ask that you begin to do new work in our life. So, Father, this morning, speak to our needs, and, Lord, use the example of Jonah to teach us about stop running from you and turn to you and be used in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the fourth message on this series about Second Chance God. And let me quickly, before we read from Jonah chapter 1, 2, and 3, let me point out uh, the Bible is full of people that God gave a second chance to. And you already know we studied about Peter and the disciples. We did that for two weeks out of Matthew. We're going to study for a couple of weeks about Jonah, the runaway prophet, about the woman at the well who needed a second chance in life, the woman caught in adultery. How about Paul, the great missionary? Uh, his life was in shambles because he believed that he would get to heaven through his own self-righteousness and he was persecuting the church and all who were Christians. God gave him a second chance on the road to Damascus and he came to know the living Lord. How about King David? After adultery, murder, and lying, God gave David a second chance. And how about you and me? Where do you and I need a second chance to be in God's will and to serve him? Well, folks, let me read these verses from Jonah, and I'm going to read chapter 1, all of it, uh, verses 1 and 10 in chapter 2, and then in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. So follow in your Bible, follow along with me, okay? 
Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But now listen to what Jonah did in verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now that phrase is important, folks. He knew that he was leaving the presence of the Lord. Please notice in verse 3, twice, and I'll mention that again, twice it says, Jonah rose to flee from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried to his God. And please notice, small g, they cried to their God. They threw the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the innermost part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Rise, call upon your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we do not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lot, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then they said to him, Now listen to this verse. Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? Now, in essence, they gave Jonah the opportunity to give his testimony about his belief in God. And listen to what he says, verse 9. He said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. <laughs> now think about this, folks. It doesn't sound like he fears God, does it? Because God told him to do something and he's headed in the other direction. doesn't sound like he fears God at all. But anyway, he says, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Third time it's mentioned Jonah is fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do that the sea may, be, may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, take, up, take me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless... Now listen to this. The mariners did not want to throw Jonah overboard. They knew that would be murder. That would kill him. No one could survive in that tempest. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they cried to the Lord. Now listen. These mariners had been crying to their God, little g, but now they cried to the Lord. We beseech thee, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Now, if you stop right there, you'd say, man, isn't this bad? Can't get any worse for Jonah, can it? Y'all know, know the rest of the story. Now, listen to verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord, made vows. These folks got converted is what happened. Verse 17, and the Lord appointed. I love that verse. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for how long? 
three days and three nights. All right, now listen to chapter 2, verse 1. After three days and three nights. Folks, you can just preach a sermon just looking at these verses. How long, if you got swallowed by a great fish, how long would it take you to pray to God? It took Jonah three days and three nights. You know, we as God's people, we have got a stubborn streak in us. Can I have amen? And so often we know what God wants us to do, but we just kind of fold our hands and three nights and three days, three nights, he's in the belly of this fish. And then Jonah prays to the Lord, his God, from where? The belly of the fish. Fast forward to verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish. (laughs) I love the Bible's just straight up, isn't it? It vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the what? The second time. God gave Jonah a second chance. But listen, God hadn't changed. And he said to Jonah again, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. Look, before we look at the story of Jonah, may I ask you some very personal questions, okay? Number one. If you have not yet trusted Christ as your personal Savior, do you realize it is God's will, it is God's desire that you have a personal relationship with him through his son, Jesus? That's God's will and purpose for your life if you've not yet turned to Jesus. And let me give you some verses for that, John 3, 16 and 17. Y'all probably be glad when I move on, you won't have to hear this verse, John 3, 16 so much. I love this verse. I hope if I die anytime soon, Debbie's going to have that engraved on my tombstone, John 3.16, okay? And you tell her that, all right? She'll be so glad I'm going. I don't know what she put on. But anyway, John 3.16 and 17. John 3.16 and 17. Have we got that on the screen, Steve? There it is. Thank you, sir. For God so loved who? The world, all of us, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now listen to verse 17. For God sent the Son into the world. Read this with me. Not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Listen to 2 Peter 3, 9. The context here is being ready for the second coming, but Peter writes, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is forbearing towards you. Now look at this. Read this with me. Not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance. And read Luke 19.10 with me again. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Well, folks, who does the lost include? The world, the entire world. And that goes back to Romans 3.23. All have sinned. Every single person who lives on this planet has sinned. Folks, God sent his son that all mankind should come to know him as Savior. And folks, one of, the, one of the subtopics of Jonah is the fact that God was going to send a Jewish man, Jonah, a prophet, to go to an evil, sinful, rebellious nation of Nineveh so that they might be saved. That's one of the underlying currents in this book. But, folks, that's the theme of the Word of God, that God wants everyone to trust his son as their Savior and have a personal relationship with him. 
But folks, I got another question I want to ask to each one of us as believers and to us as a church family. Are we currently in the will of God? Now, that's a powerful question. Are we in the will of God as individual Christians and as the church? Jesus invited the early disciples and each of us not only to repent of sin and to be born into the kingdom of God, but Jesus invited them to follow him. And that means to make his will the will that we have for our life. And I hope some are saying, well, I don't know how to discern the will of God for my life. Well, folks, let me give you three quick ways that you can discern, I believe, the will of God. First of all, study the scriptures. Study the scriptures, especially the teachings and the examples of our Lord. And let me point some verses out. Again, these verses you know well, Mark eight thirty four. Mark eight thirty four. And Jesus called to him the multitudes with his disciples. Folks, these words were given not just to those 12 disciples, but all who were coming to Jesus. And Jesus said to them, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And then listen to Matthew 5, 13 through 16, verses out of the Sermon on the Mount that you know well. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste... How shall his saltness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trodden underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Nor do men light a lamp, put it under a bushel, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And what happens when people see our good works? It gives glory to your Father who is in heaven. Listen to Matthew 28, 18 to 20, what we call the Great Commission. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of how many nations? All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. And remember again Acts 1, 8. Jesus, again, the resurrected Lord says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and unto the end of the earth. And folks, I want to read some verses to you out of Ephesians chapter 3. Of course, Paul wrote this to the church at Ephesus, but listen to what he, just listen to this, folks. And that Christ may dwell where? In your hearts, through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Now look at the latter part of verse 19. That you may be filled with what? All the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Paul goes on to give praise to God. Folks, listen. As you and I study the Scripture, it seeks not only to reveal God to us, but also God's will for us. And folks, you know, again, I believe that is why Satan really, one of the reasons why Satan tries to keep us from the Word of God. Because you see, Scripture is going to teach us and reveal to us our God. And, and Scripture is going to help you and I get in touch, connect with the will of God for us. Folks, 
as we study the Word of God, even the verses that we just read, the Spirit of God takes those verses and begins to penetrate our hearts and our minds and points us in the right direction. The Word of God begins to burn in our heart, and we begin to obey and do what the Lord wants us to do. And a second way that you and I can know the will of God is through prayer. Have you prayed lately? And again, I'm not being sarcastic. Have you prayed lately, God, what is your purpose and plan for my life and my service to you? And, you know, not only do we need to do that as individuals, so often we need to do that as a church. Folks, we can get caught up in so many different programs and stuff in the church that we forget that our overall purpose is to find out what God wants to do in and through us and then to do it. And as we begin to pray, prayer is more than talking. Prayer also is listening to God. Now, again, I'm going to get a little bit ahead of myself. But what do you think kept Jonah from praying for three days and three nights in the belly of that fish? I think he was listening to God. And I think what he didn't want to hear was God saying, Jonah, I've had it with you, you gutless prophet. You, I told you to go to Nineveh, and here you are headed to Tarshish. I'm finished with you. You can just rot in that fish's belly. I think Jonah might have been a little bit afraid to approach God. You know, isn't God wonderful? God was ready to hear Jonah. It just took Jonah three days and three nights to call out to the Lord. And then the Lord Jesus used that as an example of the death, his death and resurrection. But folks, I want to ask you, how long has it been? If we're indifferent and we're away from God, how long has it been since we sincerely prayed to God and said, God, what is your purpose and plan for my life? There's a third way that we can understand the will of God, and that is the guidance of the Spirit of God. Listen to these verses in John 14, verses 16 and 17. Jesus again preparing his disciples for his departure. And I will pray the Father, he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, even the spirit of what? The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. And folks, I wish I had some type of instrument that I could circle those words on that screen. I hope that you'll highlight them or circle them in your Bible. The spirit of God dwells with us. That means he walks along beside of us holding our hands. Sometimes the Spirit of God gets behind me and pushes me where I don't want to go. But Jesus said he'll not only dwell with you, but he will be where? He will be in you. Do you and I realize we've got the Spirit of God within us? That's why Paul said those verses I read out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that God can do more than we can ever imagine, we can ever conceive or think of, because the Spirit of God is within us. And listen to this out of John 16, verses 12 to 14. I've yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. What does Jesus say? He is not putting the disciples down and saying, you guys are a bunch of knotheads and you're not on my level and you can't understand what I'm saying they could not understand what Jesus was talking about about dying and he's saying you cannot comprehend what I'm telling you but guess what after all these things happen the spirit of God is going to come to you and explain all of this to you 
And so he says in verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. If you want to know where truth can be found, it is in God and God teaches his truth through his word and by his spirit. And Jesus said, for the spirit, he, the spirit will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it unto you. As a Christian, you and I are never alone and never without the presence of God and the mind of Jesus Christ. And regardless of how much Jonah tried to get away from the presence of God, guess what? He could not. If you and I try and get away from the presence of God, we cannot. Our sin and rebellion might separate us from God, but we cannot be separated from the presence of God. So I hope I'm not taking too much time on this, but here's my point. All of us as Christians must remember that our relationship with God is to be living and growing. And folks, that's something that so often we don't understand as Christians. We don't just get saved on a certain day and then we just wait to get to heaven. Folks, the Lord Jesus himself wants to walk with us and talk with us and be a daily part of our lives. Listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter 3.18. And this is at the conclusion, I believe, of all of his writings, perhaps one of the last things that he might have said to the church. Peter says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. But listen, Peter says, grow, grow. The relationship that Jesus wants you and I to have is a living, growing relationship. But folks, where are you and I currently now as far as the will of God is concerned for our lives? And let me give you a couple of optional places where we might be as churches and as individuals. And I'm going to do some South Carolina talk, okay? Are we right now smack jab in the middle of God's will? That's South Carolina talk. You say, I'm smack jab in the middle of something South Carolina. But are we in the center of God's will? I don't think there's anybody here who can say that. I, I hope we wouldn't because that sounds kind of arrogant and proud, doesn't it? I know I'm right in the center of God's will. I wish I could say that. Because I feel like there's a lot of things that God wants me to do and has planned for me to do. And it's not just what I do outside of this building. It's what he does in my heart. And you see, for some of us, we're still little babies in Christ. And again, don't hear me being sarcastic. I'm just sharing the truth. We got born into the kingdom of God, but we have not grown in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Satan keeps us in the spiritual nursery. And we're still sucking on spiritual pacifiers. And we still need somebody to take care of us. You know what? I'm going to be honest. This is not in the notes. But people are always talking to me about, you ought to tell so-and-so not to do this. Let me tell you something. I am not the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not to surrender to my lordship, but to his lordship. Don't ask the preacher how you ought to be living. Ask the Lord Jesus how you ought to be living. I feel better since I said that. No, no, look, look, look. My job as a minister is to show you what the Word of God says and point you to the Savior. 
Folks, I wish I could endow you with spiritual power. I wish I could endow myself, but I can't. We get spiritual power when we bow in our hearts and our minds to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And when we say to him, not my will, but your will be done. And so often, so often that's when the victory comes. The victory came for Jesus that night in Gethsemane. When confronted with what he was going to have to face on the cross, he said, Father, if this cup can pass from me, in essence, if there's any other way, let's do it. But if not, if it is your will that I go to the cross, let's do it. Let's do it. And that's where he got the victory. And folks, we get the victory not when we get to that point in time in which we feel like we're so mature as Christians and we've done so many things. We get the victory when we get to that point where we say, God, I want your will to be done in my life and I'll just, I'll give everything I got so that that will can be done. Now that is hard. Amen? It is, isn't it? When you get serious about living for Jesus, Satan is going to throw everything in the world at you and he's going to try and pull you back. You know, Satan is not mentioned in Jonah, but don't you think Satan was trying to steal Jonah's heart? And I think temporarily he probably did. And think about all the things that we know we should do as Christians and as a church. And Satan is kind of just trying to capture our heart so that we stay on the fringe of God's will. You know, we can come in, and again, thank God you attend so faithfully. But, folks, what God wants us to do is get fired up here and get out in the world and make a difference. Remember he said, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. Let your good works give glory to who? Your Father who is in heaven. When is the last time you and I felt we were in the center of God's will? But, folks, here's the good news, and this is what I want to get to. Folks, as a Christian, we can get back into the center of God's will. Jonah did. Jonah did not stay in the belly of the fish forever and ever, but he got back into God's will. Folks, let me give you an Old Testament verse, and you know this verse so well. might be another one you get tired of hearing from the pulpit. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Look at this. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. And listen to who God's speaking to. If my people who are called by my name... Now listen... Listen to the four things that God tells his people. If they will humble themselves, if they will pray, if they will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. James later on says in James chapter 4 verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That includes humility, prayer, and seeking my face. And then God says, turn from their wicked ways, repent of personal sin. And, you know, as I thought about Jonah, doesn't Jonah do all four of these? Doesn't he? It might have taken him three days and three nights in a great fish's belly, but he finally humbles himself and prays and seeks God's face and turns from his wicked way. So, folks, with all this in mind, Let's look at the book of Jonah, the one runaway prophet who gets a second chance from God. Look, I want to give you just a couple of details, and then we'll close, okay? And I hope this week that you will take time to, to study and, and meditate upon the book of Jonah. And I want to give you these details, and again, I promise I'm going to conclude, okay? Let me give you some notes about Jonah. 
The book of Jonah is about a real person like you and me. It's not an allegory. It's not a parable. Jonah was a real man. And let me give you as proof of that, 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, and that's going to be on the screen. In this book, the writer is talking about uh, King Jeroboam and what he was doing. But, and I think this was God's way of kind of documenting the reality of the man Jonah. Listen to this, 2 Kings 14, 25. Jeroboam restored the border of Israel from the entrance of Hamath as far as the Sea of Erebok, according to the word of the, uh, of the Lord, the God of Israel, which spoke by his servant, who? Jonah, the son of Amittai. And in the very beginning, who is this man identified as? Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who is from Geth Hefer. But folks, listen. Jonah was a real man. And folks, I want to point something out. Jesus considered Jonah a historic person and pointed to him as a type of his own death, burial, and resurrection. Let me read these verses to you. Matthew 12, verses 39 to 41, okay? But Jesus answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign shall be given you, uh, given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of the whale... So will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will arise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of judgment, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. But folks, listen. Jesus pointed out that Jonah was a real man. And as you read, and if you hadn't done, if you hadn't started reading in Jonah, I pray that you'll do that this week. But, folks, here are four things, five things I want to tell you about the book of Jonah. It is not simply a story about a great fish because, you see, the fish is only mentioned four times. And let me read you some words that Warren Wiersbe, a great Bible scholar, wrote. Listen to this. Few miracles in Scripture have been attacked as much as this one. And Christian scholars have gathered various kinds of evidence to prove that it could happen. Since the Bible doesn't tell us what kind of fish swallow Jonah, we don't have to measure sharks and whales or comb history for similar incidents. Jonah, in the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 17 says, it was a prepared or appointed fish by God. This fish was designed by God for this occasion, and therefore it was adequate for the task. And Jesus doesn't question the historicity of the miracle, so why should we? And, folks, don't go to this book saying, I don't know if I can believe this or not. Folks, I want to tell you, I believe Jonah got swallowed by a great fish. Amen. And let me tell you why I believe that. In John 1, 3, as John is writing about Jesus, this is what he says. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. I'd never thought about it this way, but Jesus made the fish that swallowed Jonah. And then Jesus and Matthew and also and Luke verifies that this was a historic man that was swallowed by a fish. So don't look at this as just simply a fish story. Number two, it's not a story about a great sinful city. None of us mentioned nine times. Nor is this a story about a disobedient prophet, although he is mentioned 18 times. But this book is about who? It is about God. And that's what we need to stay focused on. 38 times in these 48 verses, this book is about God and the will of God for our lives and how you and I can respond to 
the love of God. And folks, it is about the love of God for his children, for his church. God has got a will for us. And folks, I want to finally say this. No one, as they read this book, should have been surprised that God spoke to this man, Jonah. Do you know something? Ever since day one, when God created, created Adam and Eve, God's been speaking to mankind. Do you realize that? You know, I never thought about that. I mean, from the very beginning, God's been speaking. Why should he stop now? He doesn't. He wants to speak to me and he wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to this church. Are we listening? Do we need a second chance? Do we need, and I'm not trying to be silly, do we need to go to God this week and say, God, um, you know what? I think you've been speaking to me, but uh, I, I was a little bit busy, God, just a little bit preoccupied. But you know what? I want to listen to you. Maybe not, God's not going to just send you a message straight from heaven right that moment, but God's going to begin to speak. You see, you know that old saying, and it's especially said of men, we hear what we want to hear. But isn't that true in the spiritual realm? Isn't it? This morning, this is God's invitation, not mine. Even though it blessed my soul to see somebody for the first time say, I'm going to listen to Jesus, and I'm going to believe that he died for me. Would you confess your faith in Christ today? And my dear brother, brothers and sisters in Christ, it is God's will that every born-again believer serve him and be in the center of his will. And he's going to speak to you. Let him have his way and his will. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these moments that we can share the word of God. I thank you, Father, that you are a speaking God and a loving God and a God who gives us a second chance. And, Lord, this morning I just pray that if there's someone here that you've been reaching out to about being born into the kingdom of God, about confessing their sinfulness and desiring to repent of sin and just giving it all over to Jesus, all their sinful heart, Lord, thank you that you can wash that heart clean, and I pray that they'll turn to you. And, Father, I pray for all of us that are wayward as Christians. Lord, all of us struggle with being in the center of your will. Lord, it took Jonah out of his comfort zone. It certainly will zap us out of our comfort zone. But, Father, help us to follow the example of your Son and to say, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, we don't know what you've got in store for us as individuals and most especially as this church. But, Father, help us to be found faithful. Speak in these moments, and may your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.